Well, good morning. How about you turn around and say hello to the folks around you? Go ahead and wish them a good morning. Kind of wave at them, shout at them, whisper to them. So yeah, I picked up a little bug this week. Had uh, two glorious days of fishing on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Had a blast. And then Thursday night just began to feel just the invasion of this uh, sinus infection and uh, was toughing it out until a conversation with a doctor last night. I'm not quite sure about you. I don't like going to the doctor. And um, sometimes when the doctor asks me how I'm doing, I respond differently based off of how I'm doing, right? So sometimes the doctor says, how do you feel? And I say, I feel sick. And sometimes the doctor says, well, tell me about that. And I say, I just did. I feel sick. (laughs) And sometimes when I'm a little bit more mature and I want a little bit more help, I actually help the doctor help me. And I say things like, as I said last night, well, I have some congestion with no fever, low energy. I have discoloration in my congestion, which is obviously dripping on my throat. I'm coughing about four times an hour. It seems to be worse in the evening than it is in the afternoon. My energy level is fine. I don't think I have fever. And as far as things south of the equator, we ain't going to talk about that in mass, all right? So when I tell the doctor about those things, the more that I share with the doctor, the more the doctor is able to help me, right? And because I have shared more with the doctor, then I'm better able to receive the medicine that the doctor wants to give me. Let me give you another analogy. And this analogy is about me. However, if there's anything in my experience that touches on your experience, then maybe we can kind of meet in the middle. There's sometimes when I go to confession that I walk out of the confessional and I don't feel forgiven. I'm a sinner just like you. I go to confession just like I invite you to. And there's sometimes when I go to confession to whatever priest I go to, and I just feel like it didn't, didn't work. I heard the words that he said, but I don't feel like it's gone. I'm not quite sure about you. If you've ever been to confession, and if after confessing something, or maybe even something from way in your past, you just feel like it's still got you. There are some times when I go to confession, I'm very specific, and that helps out a little bit more. I remember distinctly from a season in my life that I'm not real proud of, and respecting the the age of the years here, we'll go PG with lots of gray space. Season in my life where I was well before the seminary, and I was dating, and I was doing the things that, well, your mama says you should never do when you're dating, right? And my girlfriend and I were not obeying all the commandments, if you know what I mean. And I would go to confession, and I would skirt around the issue. I'd say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I'm kind of struggling with purity. And I'd walk out of the confessional, and I didn't feel forgiven. And I would do that over and over and over because I was afraid to be vulnerable, and I didn't want to admit my weakness in the confessional. And then I remember distinctly in October of 1995, which is a distinct season and month in my life, where I went to confession at St. Augustine Catholic Church in uh, 
Washington, D.C., the National Black Catholic Cathedral, and whatever priest that was, God bless him, I don't know who he is, but I walked in the confessional and I said something like, buckle up, brother. And I was super specific. I told him exactly what I did and how many times I had done it and why I was ashamed of it and why I didn't want to tell him about it. I told him about lying in the confessional because I didn't want to be embarrassed. And I said this and this and this and this and this. And I was really specific about that, that, and that. And I walked out of confession that day and felt like a thousand pounds had been lifted off my shoulder. I remember in the seminary, as I was reflecting upon that time in my life, kind of feeling more shame and some resentment, and as I would go to the confessional, I'd skirt around the issue, and every time I walked out of the confession, then I didn't feel like it was gone. And I remember going to confession to Father Hampton Davis, my third year in the seminary, and saying, okay. Not only did I do those sinful things, but I've carried with me some resentment and anger. And I got really specific about why I was resentful. I got really specific about why I was angry and what was underneath that and how that was affecting me and driving me. And I got super specific and I walked out of confession that day feeling like a new man. I don't know about you, But there's sometimes when it seems like the confession frees me, and sometimes when it doesn't. The question is, what's the difference between the two? And how does that connect to medicine and a sinus infection? There's a difference between objective reality and subjective receptivity. I'm going to say that again because then you're going to follow me. There's a difference between objective reality and subjective receptivity. Say that with me. There's a difference between objective reality and subjective receptivity. One more time. There's a difference between objective reality and subjective receptivity. Let me give you an example. Objectively speaking, gravity exists. It exists objectively independent of the subject. Now, subjectively, I can say gravity. That's outdated, old school. I have a right to float. Well, guess what? I ain't going to float. Because objective reality exists independent of the subject. There are things that are independent whether I agree with them or not, like gravity. Objectively, God's grace, so says the Bible, cannot be rationed. Every time I go to confession, objectively, God withholds nothing. His mercy is lavish. Every time I go to a confession, objective grace is there. Subjectively, the subject, I can either be 
open to that or closed to that? So there's a difference between objectively what's available to me and subjectively whether I'm able to receive that. I'll give you another example. Love. Objectively, people may want to love you. Subjectively, we may or may not be open to receive that, right? So I've got my own tape in life and the ways that I try to prove myself, etc., etc. The reasons I run from love or hide from love, right? We all have our tape. Sometimes you and I are open to receiving love and sometimes we're not. So why do you go to confession sometimes and not feel forgiven? Objectively, it's there. Subjectively, we may not be open to receiving it. Does that make sense? All right. We, together, are in a teaching on the Sabbath. And today, as we continue to learn about the Sabbath, we continue to learn more about this thing called Mass. Now, if you haven't picked up on the teachings from the previous weeks, you can always do that on our website, OurLadyThou.com. Last week, we talked about the first part of Mass. How, what can you do to get ready to hear God speak to you in the Bible? Today, I'd like to talk about the second part of Mass, which is the Eucharist. Now, the Eucharist, the bread and the wine. Let's imagine this. Let's imagine that instead of George sitting in this chair, Jesus was sitting in the chair. I'm talking about the guy from Nazareth, the human being, the guy who had skin and ears and eyes and hair, the human, the guy who was walking the earth in the year 30 AD. If this guy were sitting in that chair, the guy, the human being. Now this bread is not consecrated yet, so be patient with the analogy, please. So with great reverence, I hold this, but just know it's not consecrated yet. When this bread is consecrated, what percentage of the guy is in the bread? Like, for example, if the guy were sitting there, and this was 100% of Jesus, once I consecrate this bread, what percentage of the guy is in the bread? Is it 10%? Is it 20%? Is it 50%? Is it just blessed, where it's kind of like a perfume or a, a, a cologne of Jesus? What percentage of this makes it into this? 100%. For some of us, that might be a poo, an epiphany. But at Mass, once I consecrate this bread, percentage-wise, there's 100% of Jesus in the human being's body and... There's 100% of his presence in the bread. There's no difference. It's 100% both ways. And at every Mass, you and I have an opportunity to behold him 
and receive his 100% presence. That means that at Mass, while this bread is not yet consecrated, once it is consecrated, this is no longer an it. It's a him. It's no longer bread. It's a person. Which means at Mass, when we receive the consecrated bread, we are receiving a person in our body. Now, yesterday, I took some Mucinex, and before I talked to the doctor, I took some Claritin, and who knows what I'm going to pick up at the pharmacy later on today, but all I know is this. If this bread, once it is consecrated, is actually this person when I receive and consume this person in this body, it is more powerful than Claritin or Mucinex. Amen? I should be able to be completely healed of a sinus infection when I receive this person. But why don't I do that? Because there's been lots of times when I have received the Eucharist and objectively, it's Jesus. But subjectively, I'm not ready for him. How do you know when a priest knows you're leaving Mass early? Because you come to communion with your keys in your hand. Because I used to do that, right? I used to, before I was in the seminary, I'd go to communion, and I had somewhere else to go. And this was just something on the list. And I'd have my keys in my left hand. And I would go to communion, and I, he would say the body of Christ, and the body of Christ, I say again, the body of that guy was in my hand with my keys. And I ate the bread and grabbed my keys and walked out of Mass. Objectively speaking, presence was there. Subjectively speaking, I wasn't ready for it. Amen? Note to self, don't go to communion today with Mass and your keys, with hand, uh, keys in your hand, because I'm going to know you're leaving. There are lots of times where I would walk up to communion. And the only thing on my mind was, are the saints playing today? The only thing on my mind was, gosh, what's going on after Mass? And I would walk up and I would receive the body of Christ in my body. And I would just kind of sit in a pew and look at whatever people were wearing at Mass. I repent for that. I repent for being selfish and narcissistic and not being subjectively open to objectively what was there. The Gospel today from John chapter 14, Jesus is at the Last Supper. And today's Gospel, Jesus is at 
the very place where he's going to give us a Eucharist, and he talks corollary to the Father about preparing a place for us. And if you and I are going to receive him today, we have to prepare a place for him here. So what can you do at Mass, every time you come to Mass, that would actually transform the way that you receive the Eucharist? How can you and I prepare a place for him? Well, first of all, Jesus is the divine physician. And when I was a kid, I was playing basketball at the park. I was probably six. And I was coming home, and I fell off my bike. And I skinned my knee. And my mama's mama was at the house, Mama LMA. And she looked at me, and she had, as I was sitting on the chair, a big brown bottle, and whatever was inside was brown. I forget what that was back then. And she had some cotton, and I knew it was going to hurt. So she tried to, to dabble that stuff on my knee, and I flinched. So my, my, my mom looked at me, and she said, look at me. And she says, tell me where it hurts. Now, <laughs> I'm bleeding all over the place. There's no doubt where it hurts. But my mama, she said, look at me. Tell me where it hurts. And as I pointed, she went right there. I didn't tell my mama where it hurt to let her know. I told her where it hurt so I could receive the medicine. The question for us today is this body is about to come in my body. And this is what's going to happen. As you receive communion, what's going to happen is he's going to come into your body. Now watch this. He's going to look at you. And he's going to say, tell, tell me where it hurts. Now today, when he does that, I'm going to tell him, oh, Jesus, it hurts right here. I have someone who I love dearly who is experiencing a very great difficulty in their life. And I'm, I'm hurting for that situation. And when Jesus comes in my body, he's going to say, Mark, tell me where it hurts. I'm going to say, right here. And he's going to come in. And now he has access to that situation, all my anxiety, all my fear, all of my self-accusation of what I haven't done to help that situation, right? That's what he wants to touch. The physician. I have to be subjectively open to him touching that place. When you receive the Eucharist today, he, the physician, is coming into your body. And he wants to ask you a question today. Tell, tell me where it hurts. Like my mama, you're not going to tell him to inform him. You're going to tell him so that you can receive him. For some of us today, as you walk in the church, you find yourself right now, maybe there's anxiety about something in life. Maybe there's something that happened in your past that's unreconciled. Maybe there are people or relationships that are unreconciled. Maybe you're just going through life and you've got questions about the future. The question for you today is as this body enters this body, he looks at you and says, where do you need me?
Now the minister is going to say, the body of Christ. It's not bread. It's a person. And as you're walking up for communion today, I want you to start to think, huh, where does it hurt? Where do I need the person? And as you say, amen, and they put bread, a person, into your hand, and you consume him, and you're walking back, don't look at your keys. Don't look at your watch. Look at your heart. And ask yourself, where do I need him? Second thing that we can do is when we sit in the pew, shh, listen. You can listen. This is what's going to happen. When he comes into your body, he's going to go right up to your ear. He's going to say something today. Now, it could be a memory, it could be a song, it could be a thought, it could be something that pops up in your heart. But you're never going to be closer to heaven than you are in 11 minutes. And if you want to hear him today, every time you go to communion, sit in the pew, Close your eyes, block out all the distractions, close your eyes, and then say, Jesus, speak to me. Subjectively, be open to the objective love that's there. Open the bulletin to page nine. Page nine in the bulletin. The painter is Johann Karl Loth, and the painting is of the Good Samaritan. The guy on the right, Pope Benedict XVI says in his book, Jesus of Nazareth, says, that's Jesus. And the figure on the left, whether you are a man or a woman, that's you and I, that's us. Now, I want you to look right now at the fingers in the right hand of the Good Samaritan. Look how gentle those fingers are. He knows exactly where to go. Look, look at the eyes of the guy on the right, the Good Samaritan. Look at his mouth. He's almost smiling. He's like, oh, oh, I know. I, I know where to go. When we are that receptive to God as the guy on the left is, then all of a sudden, the Eucharist affects us. Let's take a couple seconds right now as we prepare to receive a person in the Eucharist. And let's ask that we would receive his presence in our hearts today.